صفا تالنت صفا تالنت opens this podcast series for peace activists with a feminist perspective. They will talk about their thoughts, feelings and activities in the war between the terror organization Hamas and Israel. What kind of options to war and military actions are there that we cannot hear and see otherwise? This is a space for all feminist peace activists in the region. It is not about taking sides or reporting on military and political operations. Rotem Aloni, a lawyer and mother of three, is the first who is ready to share her thoughts and feelings in this difficult situation. Please engage in self-care as you listen to this podcast. So just to recapture from our preparation talk, we agreed to focus on three aspects in our talk. So the one is you being in the situation. The yes. second is what you are trying to achieve in this situation. And the third would be more about hopes and fears. Yeah, I think um, that's a lot already. <laughs> yeah, it's plenty. Um, it's plenty. Yeah, yeah. Are yeah. you still fine with these uh, topics? Yeah, of course. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Then maybe let's uh, jump into the first one. You being in the situation right now, can you describe a little bit your situation? Where are you? How does it look like? Well, um, first of all, I'll tell you a little bit about myself so you understand the context. Yeah. I have um, three boys, 11, 13 and 16. Um, and uh, we live in a city called Ramat Gan, which is in the center of Israel. Uh, which makes us, I think, in the best part of Israel at the moment. Well, maybe not, but it's our situation is much better than the ones on the south or on the north, because um, we're we're being bombed a few times a day. But um, at least there's no active fighting around us at the moment. What does, I have it to say mean, that, what does it mean being bombed uh, a few times a day? Uh, we have um, the Hamas is um, shooting bombs into the center of Israel. They do it usually twice or three times a day to the center of Israel, which means that we have a siren. In my house specifically, we don't have a safe area. We don't have a shelter. And running to the central sh shelter is too far away because we only have a minute and a half to get to the shelter. And I can't run with three kids. So far, it takes more than a minute and a half. So what happens is that every time there is um, a siren, we go inside to our toilet, which is the most the most safe part in the house because it's all, all surrounded by inner walls. And we sit there with our dog which uh, by now already knows that when he hears a siren, he has to run with us. At the beginning, we had a problem getting him in, but now he knows his way. And uh, we just run there and we sit there for like five minutes. And then we hear the 
the um, missiles, you know, um, shooting the bombs in the air. There's like big, very big booms. And uh, we go out. Luckily for us at the moment in our area, there was no big damages. There was in the city next to us. There was in different cities around us. But in Ramat Gan specifically, especially in our area, uh, luckily at the moment, nothing happened. This is the situation. That means being bombed means that you sit with your kids in the living room or whatever, and then suddenly there's a siren and everybody's running and everybody knows exactly what they need to do at this time. And when I'm telling you this, I understand how abnormal that is. But we feel that we are in a much better situation than the ones, the families in the south and the north that have it, you know, they have much more bombings. And they're basically not even, they can't even stay in their homes. So so we feel like we're normal. But when I say it, it doesn't sound normal at all. I understand how unnormal it is. At the beginning, in the first few days, it was very difficult because the fact that kids and families were slaughtered in their houses made us feel that our houses are not any, are not a safe place anymore. And I can't explain how difficult it is for me as a mother to think that the house, the place I raise my kids in is not safe anymore. And we all, all me, me and all my friends, we all locked the doors. We didn't let the kids go out, even though we are very far from the, the South. But nobody w- could say that there was for sure no more terrorists inside uh, Israel. So I wouldn't let my kids go out at, alone. If we wanted to walk the dog, they had to go with one of us. And um, and until now, I haven't left my kids alone at home. And I have older kids, but it explains the big uh, fear that we live in. So even though we are like normal, we are very unnormal. So this is how we live now. And this is the situation here. And, you know, Everybody knows somebody who was kidnapped. Everybody knows somebody who was murdered. Everybody, we were all trying to do something to help each other because sitting and doing nothing makes you crazy. But you're um, you're all at home because there is no school and you don't go to offices. So all the daily life happens at home. So um, the kids, there's no schools. Um, so what we do, me and my husband, we do shifts. Half day he works and then half day I can leave because we can't, we won't leave the kids alone. We are kind of working, but not exactly working because the courts are, for example, I'm a lawyer. So the courts are not working now. So I haven't, we, I don't really have any urgent things to do. I, I have time to uh, stay home and some places work and some places work out of home. But yes, most of the time we are all together all the time. But I'm thankful for having all my three kids with me and having my husband and I want them to keep being annoying and whatever. But as long as they're alive and with me, it's much more than a lot of families here uh, have now. So um, I'm grateful for that in uh, this crazy situation. And and your connection with outside, is that via uh, social media and, and chat groups? Because you rarely go out. So well, connect. 
there are some people that go out and do a lot of volunteering and moving stuff from one place to the other because I don't want to leave my kids. And I do most of my connection through WhatsApp is very active. We do a lot of connections. We're helping people. And hopefully in the next few days, we will start working with the families of the people who were murdered and try to help them organize their legal stuff. And then I'll probably leave home more. The WhatsApp is very active. I'm completely connected. It's not like we are sitting at home and not connected with our surroundings, but we are. Nobody's going out to restaurants or bars and whatever. You, 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 even if you go out and go to work, then you go to work or you go to volunteer somewhere and you go back. You don't walk around. So I hear the solidarity uh, within the society is very strong. Yeah, it's crazy what's going on here. It's amazing. Let's be honest, the government isn't exactly working. I don't know if they're in shock or there's nobody working there. But everything that's going on is going by because of um, the society. They came up with organizations that move food. They bring clothes. They bring uh, mental health. They bring medical health. They um, Everything you need only civil society is working on it now, which is insane. Even for the soldiers, the army didn't have enough to move food from one side to the other in Israel. So people were donating food and everything the soldiers need. You know, I'm in one WhatsApp group that it, the minute they put something up, like we need 20 mattresses for the soldiers or for people that were... Um, evacuated from somewhere in two minutes somebody says no need anymore we have these things you know like people here because everybody needs to do something then everybody's just waiting to help somebody else because it makes you feel yeah yeah of course it's also important to contribute Um, yeah but at the same time one would think that this is the task of the government or also the military to to look after their soldiers and not of civil society. Well, I agree. Um, But for the last year, we don't really have a government. We have uh, a group of people that are calling themselves government, but are not really taking care of the citizens. And um, in this situation, the one thing you can tell say about Israelis is that we get organized very quickly in crisis situations mm. and i think that people understood very quickly that the fact we have nobody to count on and uh, people just started doing stuff themselves and and everybody feels they want to help it's crazy if you'll see what's going on here it's it's insane the amount of clothes and things they bought for people like somebody they in in they say that People were evacuated from this city. We need this, 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 and this. In like one hour, everything was there. You know, it's crazy what's going on. But this is only civilians doing work doing for civilians. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, the shift was also radical. You 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 jumped from protests inside uh, right into a war. During the protest from the outside, you had the feeling that like there are many different sections and now everybody has to hold together to being able to uh, to manage this crisis. I, it's very funny to, to say it, but the fact that we had this big demonstrations and 
created a very organized group of people and a very organized way of communicating. And what happened was that in a few hours, they moved from protests to delivering food and clothes and moving people out of their cities or whatever. And in five minutes, everybody just shifted. It's like we have now we all understand that it, we have to be together or we won't be at all. So um, we don't really have options right now. So everybody's connected and everybody's working together and um, doing what we can to help each other. Is, is there anything you want to add to the situation right now? Well, I have to say that the most difficult part for us, at least for me, I don't know what for other people is, but it's um, the people that were kidnapped because this is something that's sitting very hard in our heart. And this is a main issue in Israel now. And it's a main issue for me also as a mother, as a woman, as, you know, thinking about these people. Yesterday it rained and I could not think about the people that were there. And I, you know, I could, my kids were under a roof and everything is okay. But what's going on with these kids that are there? Some of them are without their parents and young kids, even older kids, like kids my age. I can't imagine my kids being somewhere when I, where I can't reach them, where, where they can reach me. So for me, this is a, a very, very big issue here. And, um, we're trying to do our best to create, um, a big international pressure in order for the all the countries to help us and bring all these people home because it's it's just insane that they took them it's something that i can't even imagine you can't imagine that no no that's nothing you can imagine from the outside you only see the threats and the military operations But of course you don't see if there are any negotiations and what's happening behind to free the captives. They don't say anything here as well. And I don't know if it's part of a strategy or it's because they don't care about it. But if you divide us, there are people that are, look, we are very angry. There's a big anger here. And sometimes when you're very angry, first the first thing you want to see is somebody's getting punished for what happened. So Israel, a lot of Israel wants to see a lot of bombs. They want to see Gaza, as much people dead, as much disaster as possible. So it's revenge. For, it's 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 kind of a revenge, which is yeah. something that I can't say that it's not normal. They did horrific things. So I'm angry also. But sometimes it takes me a moment to think about it. And then I say, well, how will that help me, make me secure enough, save these kids, save somebody? And um, and what we're trying to do is say that first we need to bring back all the people that were kidnapped. And only then can we start talking about a, re a real war or whatever. But as long as they're there, I think this is the most important thing. It doesn't make me feel better when I see buildings falling in Gaza. It's not something that makes me feel safer. But these people coming back will make me and a lot of women, I believe, uh, much safer. Because what I want to know is that if my kids are not safe, somebody is going to do everything he can to bring my kids back home. 
from my point of view, and a lot of women and uh, activists here are trying to say that this is the most important thing, and let's put the bombings or whatever or the military actions aside first, let's bring them back home, and then the next step will be that. And there is a big debate about it, and time will tell what voice will be heard. We were also talking about activities that you tried to start with some other women. Do you want to tell us about that? So what we did, I was in some kind of, there was a program that was created in Israel with an organization called Itach Ma'aki, which is Women Lawyers for Social Justice. And it's an Israeli-Palestinian and Israeli-Jewish organization. And um, there was a program that taught us uh, negotiation from a feminist perspective and stuff like that so we and we met through that program we met with a lot of embassies in Israel and what we did at the beginning was write a letter to all these embassies that we've met with their um a representative here asking them to help us in our act to try and bring back civilians back home they answered that they're doing their best and whatever but i i don't know how much that was affected and now I'm part of a group that's trying to make you know a big effect in television and in communication and try to create some more uh, pressure from inside Israel in order to make the government understand that this is their first priority at the moment and not going in to Gaza so we're trying to do that as well because we believe that we don't have a lot of time before the army goes in and we have to do something before. So we're trying to make a lot of uh, noise and try to create an effect that might change what comes first. So this is uh, what we're trying to do now. And of course, you know, writing on, on social media, talking to people, any everything I can do that will bring these people back home is the we're doing. And do you feel, is, is this a big group? Um, or are these minorities within Israel? Um, no, there's a lot of, first of all, there are a lot of groups. It's not like one group. And all the families of the people that were abducted, they created their own center and they're, and they're very effective working in the media and, and whatever. And we're trying to help them. Basically, it's not it's not like we're separated from them. We're, there is a big conflict about this. So there's a lot of people pro this and a lot of people pro that. I'm sure everybody wants these people to to be back home. The question is, what are they willing to pay in order for that to happen? From our perspective, or at least mine, we should pay whatever they want in order for them to come back home. This is the most important part now. I mean, you are a lawyer. So you have uh, experience in those kinds of tricky uh, negotiations. Is this a helpful perspective right now or do you think it doesn't matter really? I think that from what I see here, first of all, it's a male-dominated perspective. You only see men around the, the decision-making table, which make, makes it very difficult for them to even see anything but their perspective. And even when you see one or two women, you don't see women from civil society. You see women that were in the army themselves, and uh, they still have the same perspective. I don't feel that it's heard enough. It's only heard in the media, not enough, if you ask me. 
this is our country. We are a male-dominated country. As a feminist, they can tell you that every situation, every time we keep writing letters, we keep protesting, we keep doing whatever we can to make the women's voice heard. But it's in these kinds of situations, it's almost impossible. So we're doing our best. Yeah. But, um, I, I hope it will be effective. I hope, I, I truly hope that people will hear what the society is asking for, because we need to see, we need that to be the priority at the moment. You were also mentioning that the Women Lawyers Organization for Social Justice is an Israeli, Jewish, and Palestinian organization. Yeah, like it only Israelis, but they're uh, Palestinian, With Palestinian women. heritage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, Jewish women. And yeah. at the day to day, we're working for peace. We're work, working together for understanding. We're working together in order to implement 1325 the UN uh, decision 1325 about women in uh, negotiations when women in decision making processes and whatever and now we are trying to get women everywhere we can in order for people to hear a woman's perspective and i think it's lacking here because even though we we have a we are in a war situation Even when you look at a war situation, sometimes you need to look at it from a women's perspective, from a feminist perspective. And I'm sure that if they would do that, they would see that you have more solutions, more options. More options, yeah. And uh, they keep looking at very narrow options. They don't widen their thinking, which is a problem, which is a problem. And we're doing a burst to be heard. But, you know, behind all these military stuff, it's very hard to be heard. Can you describe a little bit what a feminist perspective could open up or how it could widen the options? Well, first of all, I would think that if we would look from a feminist perspective, we would look at this situation in a bigger context, okay? Because... War is one way to make people feel safe, but it's not the only way to make people feel safe. And I think that if we would look at it and at what would make us feel safer in Israel and what would make Hamas or Hezbollah, you know, make them not do this stuff again, it's not necessarily war. There are other options. And sometimes you need to wait and think about it, and see what would be the best action. And maybe if the Israeli society was would have a time to heal, and people will have places to live, then we would be able to turn our efforts to some kind of a solution. And I truly don't believe that going inside and killing as much Hamas as they will will solve the problem with Gaza because at the end of the day, there's like 2 million people that live there and some kind of solution has to come for these people. And I don't think nobody's looking at them. Nobody's looking at us. It's all about, you know, men fighting who's stronger and not what we as civilians and both sides need, need to, to be safe. And part of this war is to is to show the Hamas that we are stronger. But I'm I'm not sure that this is if this is the way to make them feel that we're stronger. So um, a lot of times I tell my kids that when they fight, I tell them 
to be strong is not necessary to to retaliate sometimes sitting and uh, not doing anything and thinking about it and waiting shows that you're much stronger than if you retaliate like you know in reflex um and look I'm not I don't see the whole picture because I can't I'm not part of the government but I'm sure that if there were more women there they could see more options and going inside the Gaza now and getting more soldiers killed won't make us feel safer more won't make us feel better so um yeah I mean maybe at this stage you also want to um to tell a little bit about your efforts before uh in the West Bank the mothers who were uniting their efforts what happens in the in the West Bank is a big issue in Israel and there's a big conflict between the big parts of society if we even need to be there and I have to say that I'm on the side that thinks that we don't need to be there we have nothing to do there we need to evacuate all the settlements and move into the Israeli uh, recognized uh, country um so you would be in favor of a two-state solution yeah if that's still possible yeah yeah and my son is uh what ha- made it happen is because I Well, look, everything is personal at the end of the day. But my son is 16 now, and every boy, in, when he's 16 in Israel, he gets a uh, letter for the army saying that in a few months, you will have to come and starting the process in order for when you're 18, you will enlist. And I said, I can't live with myself if I let him go to the army and protect these crazy settlers in the North Bank. Uh, sorry in the the West Bank East West Bank uh, the East East Bank well ba- West Bank after, yeah. yeah and East Bank yeah, first, yeah. It depends on the perspective <laughs> yeah and then we started working with women trying to understand what really are the needs and how can we ask for our soldiers not to be defending these settlers who are creating chaos in Israel and in there unfortunately in the middle of our actions be- when we started to get organized the war started so uh, we didn't have enough time to to start doing active stuff but now I don't know what will happen because um well hopefully the same part of the country will uh, control it after this and maybe we'll have a better government and start understanding that fighting is not a solution you have to create a long-lasting solution with the Palestinians for us to live here and be safe and for them as well because when I see what's going on in Gaza I it's it's very difficult it's not that I don't feel for them I do I do know what the solution the loose solution at the end of the day won't be by war that's for sure and hmm. uh, Unfortunately, we have men that are running things and they don't really know how to negotiate or see, see things from um, an emotional perspective, a needs perspective, because at the end of the day, you need to understand what their needs are. If you want to come to some kind of solution, you need to understand the needs of both sides. And vengeance is not a need. So you're already talking about your hopes. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, one per few into the future as well. 
what what might might be possible i hope that what we will understand from this is that you can't live on your sword for for all your life it's something that is just not possible and we have to find some kind of solution and yeah there are radicals from both sides and people and what happened here in the in the south is is not it's not terrorism it's much worse than terrorism i don't i don't know even how i can compare it so i'm not talking about negotiating or talking to these people because they I, they're not people really i have to say people that could behead children and stuff like that it's it's not people that you can talk to but there are voices in the palestinians that you can talk to and what we need is to make them stronger and help them find their voice and help us ourselves find our voice and maybe these two voices can connect and we can live here in peace because what i wish for my kids is that my son who is 16 won't need to go to the army and certainly my 13 and certainly certainly my 11th boy i want women to give birth to boys in israel and not think that shit i just had a boy which means that in 18 years from now i am going to be in a very bad situation which is what i felt when i had my boys so i mm-hmm. wish that women won't feel like that maybe there is something that you would wish for from the international community what i would wish is for a big support from them in returning the citizens that were kidnapped and understanding how horrific it is for them to be there and putting that at the top of every list this is the most humane issue and the most important issue at the moment before anything else this is what should be opening the news everywhere talking about everybody all the pressure should be only on this after this comes to some kind of the solution then we can start talking about other humane issues but this should be the top of the list thank you so much Rotem for your time and for your your willingness to share those difficult thoughts and feelings with us thank you so much Thank you for listening. I hope this talk helped you like it did with me to gain a first, deeper understanding of the situation and also what a feminist perspective could contribute in this horrific war. If you are a peace activist yourself, feel free to contact me. Thank you for listening.